We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, welcome back to the Guilty as Charged podcast. We are officially done with the NFL draft and we're going to go over the picks today. All six of them, not seven. Joining me today is just Steven, not Jason. Steven, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It was a really fun weekend and you know, I thought the NFL as a whole did a really good job this weekend. Um, you know, it's just nice to have something to talk about, something sports related to just sit down and, and watch all weekend. So I'm good. Yeah, it was really great. I didn't think I was going to watch the entire draft. I figured I'd just pop in for the first round, maybe just pay attention a little bit day two. I ended up watching the entire thing, sitting down, either just doing homework or chatting with you guys, and I really enjoyed it. It makes you realize how much you miss football. So, let's get into these picks. We're just going to get right into them. Just the picks. We are going to go over undrafted free agents and possible other NFL free agents on Friday, but today it's just about the picks, so let's get with the big one first. Justin Herbert, the pick that we all should have bet on that I did not <laughs> I did not think truly if they didn't have Tua available. I didn't think they'd go with him, but they did. And even more so, they didn't even put up a trade offer. We found out after they didn't even try to trade up in front of Miami for Tua. So, you know, I think that the difference between the two wasn't that much for the Chargers. And even if, let's say on our grading scale, they had Tua, maybe, let's say, five out of 80 points ahead of Herbert. I think just the injuries and not being able to get their hands on him may have made the difference. So, you know, even if they liked Tua a little bit more, they were fine taking Herbert. And then we'll talk about why that was important. They didn't have to trade up because they got guys later on they really liked. So, you know, with Herbert, I have my concerns. I have my worries. But he does get the entire year to develop. 
if if he doesn't upseat Tyrod Taylor, but I doubt it. You know, and the Chargers usually get a late bye, so I don't think we're going to see Herbert anytime soon, and certainly not week one. So he gets a lot of time to develop with great weapons and some they did get this weekend. So I'm excited. It all depends, really, for me, on whether the Chargers think the problems he had at Oregon were on him or were on the talent and coaches around him. Or if it was on him, it's up to the Chargers to be able to take those problems and fix them. So while I'm not thrilled with the pick, I get it. And he's got time to develop, surrounded by maybe the best talent in the NFL. So I'm behind him. So good luck, Herbert. Steven, what do you think? Yeah, similar to you, I wasn't super thrilled. I think, you know, me and you were very similar to how much we wanted Tua on this team. And, you know, just everything that I value as a quarterback is Tua. Mm -hmm. But what the Chargers want to do at quarterback is very Justin Herbert. So, you know, he fits the offense. He fits what they want to do with the play action and outside zone and, and, you know, the pistol option, which they talked about even in their press conference. So, uh, I don't love Justin Herbert as a player. You know, I, I watched all of his interviews and I think he's a great person and he's, you know, got a, a sly sense of humor is what I've kind of learning from the press conferences. And he's a great person. He was a 4.0 student. So I have no doubt that he'll be able to learn the playbook and things like that. You know, it's just that when we're going from Philip Rivers to Justin Herbert mentally and just like the leadership, they're very different. So I think it'll take me a little getting used to having such a striking difference at quarterback and so you know that's the other thing which we'll talk about more on is that the offense is going to change drastically from what we're used to seeing out of philip rivers a philip rivers led offense so you know i have my concerns about herbert but i totally understand why they took him he fits what they want to do and more than anything what i'm excited about is that they have a rookie contract at quarterback and so yep. they'll be able to have a ton of flexibility over the next five years and really go for it. And that's something that, you know, we're really excited about, especially after the free agent signings with Brian Balaga and Chris Harris and Trey Turner and uh, even Darius Jennings, I think, is a really good signing. So they have flexibility and they'll maintain that flexibility for the next five years. And, you know, maybe they sign a Jason Peters over the next few months and really fill this roster in a nice way to to get ready for Justin Herbert next year. Yep. No, they'll have hundred something million dollars next year. I think. I don't know. And they need it. Oh, yeah. They definitely need it. They. I really think, and everyone thinks they're gonna let Ingram walk. I don't think that's even possible. I no. think they're gonna retain Ingram. They're definitely keeping Keenan Allen. There's no way they're gonna separate Herbert from Keenan Allen. Obviously, they're retaining Bosa, King. I don't know. I'm not really sure. But actually, let me talk about King right now. Do you think Desmond King's stock went up this weekend a little bit in terms of? Uh, value to the team if you will i think from the outside it was probably went up i think the team had a plan with him and they knew that point. drafting a safety early on or like a corner early on would have not been great value and so you know i'm really looking forward to see how they use desmond king and whether or not they put chris harris outside and you know i think just ultimately the the theme of the offseason is versatility and mm-hmm. so they have a lot of options you know they clearly believe in michael davis they didn't draft a single corner uh, which, you know, that's another thing. But with Chris Harris, you can put on the outside, you can put him in the slot, and then you can put Desmond King in the slot. You can put Desmond King at safety. You can put him in the Adrian Phillips role. So there's a lot of versatility in the secondary. And a lot of people, or at least on Twitter, were saying, like, they should trade Desmond King to get back into the third or trade Melvin Ingram. And that just doesn't make sense to me, you know. 
especially the Desmond King thing. Like his value isn't very high right now. Mm-hmm. He aggressed in a big way last year, but he's a former All Pro player, and so you know you bring him back and hope that he gets back to form. And if he does, you keep him around. If he doesn't, then you just move on. And then you have Nasir Adderley waiting in the rings, and you know, obviously Alohi Gilman now, uh, which we'll talk about later. Yes, and versatility was definitely the theme of this draft. So with the next guy they took, Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma, who I thought when they took him, and maybe this is still the case, I thought he would play on the inside, at least at, uh, at Mike, and I thought that's what they were going with. I thought he was Denzel Perryman's replacement. But then Daniel Popper this morning, as you pointed out to me, said he had him at will. So is he Tranquil's replacement, or is he, or is Tranquil going inside, or what's the plan here? So I, w- I would assume that Tranquil would go inside to the mic. Um, I think really with Mike and Will, there's a lot of interchangeability there, and, and it really just kind of depends on the situation at hand. But I think they're viewing Murray more as someone that they can get on the perimeter and just chase down guys. And he is – I'm so excited for the Kenneth Murray pick. You know, he is what this team has been missing for ever, really. Like they've never had an athlete of this caliber at linebacker. So, you know, you pair him with Derwin James and you have two guys that are just going to be tackling machines on the perimeter. And that was a huge issue with this team last year. And that was the biggest reason why the Patriots just throttled this team in the playoffs because they didn't have athletes and linebacker that could make plays in space that could shoot the gaps and create tackles for loss and get the team, the other team uh, in poor situations with the chains. So Kenneth Murray, a lot of fans are questioning the pick because he's not great in coverage, but. You know, Oklahoma didn't have him do man coverage a whole lot. He was mostly used as like a, a middle of the field, just roaming around and, and spying whatever the running back or the quarterback was doing. So I have full confidence that he's a good enough athlete that he can become a good coverage quarter, uh, coverage linebacker. Excuse me. Um, but ultimately, he's just a violent player, and that's what Tom Telesco mentioned, and that's what they need. You know, the team has been such a different team when uh, Denzel Perryman has been on the field. And the run defense is so much better with him, but he's never on the field. So now you get Denzel Perryman and Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil, and the linebacker room is much better than it was before. It's so good. The last couple of years, Telesco has really found guys to develop and, and put out there at linebacker that I'm really, really excited about if they use them correctly. And, I mean, honestly, I think Kenneth Murray might be my favorite pick of the draft. I know it's tough, and I gave it a B-plus grade. That's because they had to give up a third-round pick to do it. Mm-hmm. And that may be a problem. I guess you have to look at the rest of the draft. But they wanted their linebacker, and they didn't feel like Patrick Queen was that guy, obviously. And I think when you compare just the athleticism alone, the height, he's got two inches and like 20 pounds on him, more explosive than the other measurables, you know. I think they just wanted that kind of guy. And when you compare him to the guys that they have right now, or at least they have had, like a Denzel Perriman, like a Jatavis Brown, it's a completely different looking linebacker. And I feel the same way about watching Murray that I do when I watch Trey Turner, where, you know, I think Michael Schofield's a good guard. But when you watch a guy like Trey Turner, it's just completely different. Yeah. Some guys just That's play the point. position more aggressively and, and just better, to be completely honest. They flash more. They have that athleticism. They have the talent. You know, the Chargers have been making it work for a while with some of these, you know, either day two, day three guys take a linebacker in the first round with this much talent I'm so excited because the one issue I had with the team really on defense well there's a couple issues but 
you know, they have guys on the defensive line. They have playmakers in the secondary. They have playmakers that, you know, strong safety, whatever. But they never really had that playmaker linebacker kind of guy. Yeah. And Denzel Perriman could do that sometimes. And I think Tranquil could develop into something like that. But Murray day one is going to be, I'm pretty sure, the best linebacker on this team. Yeah. You know, so as long as they can fix some of the GPS issues for him, because I feel like sometimes he would just kind of fly into the <laughs> in the backfield and, yeah. and miss hardcore. But if they can fix that part, this dude loves to hit. He's aggressive. He loves to hit you and put you into the ground. I'm I'm really excited for this pick, and I think he's going to do so well in this defense. So, yeah, I'm very excited as well. And and you you bring up the Patrick Queen thing, and I had Patrick Queen one point higher than Kenneth Murray. I think overall. They're very similar in terms of grade and value. I think Patrick Queen is better in coverage. You know, he's going to be a guy that the Ravens are going to use more in coverage. And a lot of people were comparing him to like old Ray Lewis Jr. Um, no, I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> um, but just in terms of what the Chargers need, like you're saying, they need that heat-seeking missile presence in the middle of the defense. And that's not really Patrick Queen's game. He has great range and he can make plays. But he's just a very solid overall linebacker who's going to make plays and then more plays in coverage than he is in the run game and that's the difference between the two um but like i said i think kenneth murray is a good enough athlete where with some good coaching which this chargers defense can definitely provide him he'll be able to become a very well-rounded player um but it's just, it was just so much fun to pop on the tape and just watch mm -hmm. him get after it and he his recognition isn't the quickest you know jason brought that up to me but once he decides, his athleticism is so good and his closing mm -hmm. speed is so elite that he'll make up for a slow recognition any day because he's so fast. And uh, Skip Bayless weirdly tweeted out that he thinks Kenneth Murray was like not – he didn't show up in big games, which, you know, you watch the game against LSU. I watched their games against Baylor and Texas, and he was all over the field. And he's just a guy that I'm really excited about. And, again, pairing him with Derwin James, like – the Chargers have had so many issues with running backs leaking out and then they make Thomas Davis miss or they make Denzel Perryman miss or Kaiser White or just Davis Brown. With Derwin James and Kenneth Murray, that's not going to be an issue anymore. You know, you leak Clyde Edwards-Alaire or Josh Jacobs out into the flat and Kenneth Murray and Derwin Jeez. James are going to tackle them. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest difference is like, yeah, you want some speed and coverage to deal with the Chiefs, but the Chargers have been torched by every single running back that comes up against them. And so Kenneth Murray is going to be an instant impact player, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, the AFC is going to be tough this year in terms yeah. of running backs. I mean, well, now receivers too. We'll talk about that, I guess, in a little bit. But there's a lot of good running backs in the AFC. There mm -hmm. always have been. And and so the Chargers, looking just at last year, or like you said, the postseason against the Patriots, they get gashed. And it's not just running plays. They'll throw a screen up to them, 12 yards, 20 yards, and it's just awful. Yep. Having a guy like Murray – and James healthy. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. And I think, I do think it's a little bit of hindsight, but they did make the right call to move up for him. Number one, they did like their guy. Yep. They've liked him since the combine. I think Jason shared a, a video from Good Morning Football, Pete Schrager talking about one AFC executive or something, talking about this Kenneth Murray guy and how he went from essentially a, a, a second round guy to a first round guy based on meeting alone. And I think that's the part we can't quantify, obviously, because Yep. You know, maybe you have Patrick Queen graded higher, but we can't quantify how the meeting went. That's the only thing we don't have access to. And if he walked in there and and showed off, I guess, you know, yeah, they'll take him. And then no Logan Wilson. I'm kind of glad he wasn't there at 37 because you can kind of justify it. Like, okay, 
He wasn't there. Patrick Queen, yeah, they could have traded up and taken him, but he wasn't there at 37. And then the, the really popular name was Akeem Davis Gaither. We thought, okay, maybe he could have gotten him at 71, but he fell to whatever it was because of, of medical issues. So I do think they made the right call. Yeah. Whether they missed the third bound pick for maybe a corner, uh, I don't know. But I, I do think they made the right call moving up. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you got to go up and get your guy similar to, you know, how they treated the quarterback situation. If, if you have a player you love, you got to go up and then get, get that guy. And so we talked about, you know, before on our mock draft about how I wanted the Chargers to get a premier talent in this in this draft. And they did that with Kenneth Murray. So the fact that they were they only gave up a third round pick basically to get him, I'm all about it. And, you know, he's going to be an instant impact player, whereas Herbert probably – you know, in terms of Herbert coming in, I think the best case scenario for him would at least be sitting eight games to be mm-hmm. able to learn the offense and watch Tyrod play, especially with uh, a short offseason like they're going to have this this year. So, you know, I'm really excited about the Kenneth Murray pick, and I honestly I did not even think that the Chargers would be able to get him. I thought maybe that Patrick Green would be able to fall to like 37, but Kenneth Murray was getting enough buzz that I knew he was going to go in like the top. 20 picks and you know getting him at 23 that's really good value yeah not bad at all well when it comes to value the next one was a little bit surprising I don't think any of us had the Chargers taking a running back in the fourth round I think we all assumed they would follow their more traditional path aside from Melvin Gordon and go with their Justin Jackson in the seventh or their undrafted free agent guys or I think Marion Grice in the sixth don't hold me to that Uh, but they went with Joshua Kelly who, listen, I said this so much on Twitter. If the Chargers like a running back, I totally believe them. If they thought he was a guy that taken the fourth round, I believe them. They find running backs everywhere. And if they thought that they would burn an earlier-ish pick on a guy like Kelly, who's a local guy anyway, captain or whatnot of the team, or co-captain or something, I'm all for it. I believe them that they, that they, that they like him, obviously, and they did like him because they took him. But I do think it's interesting moving forward. I know Eckler's the starter. I'm curious what it means for Justin Jackson because they did take a running back so early. So I don't think they anticipate Kelly being much of a backup here. And Justin Jackson, as much as I believe in his talent, as much as I believe in the things that I see him do on the field, he barely did anything his rookie season, and that's not his fault. He was just buried on the depth chart. And then he got hurt last year, and then he kind of came in and out of games towards the end of the year, but didn't really do a whole lot. Yeah. So I don't know how much you can trust him. As much as I believe in the duo of Eckler and Jackson, I don't know how much you can trust that moving forward, because now Eckler is the guy. Gordon came back, what, midseason or something like that? So, you know, Eckler's never been the guy for a whole season. Jackson has never played for an entire season. So I, th- I think it's worth the pick. And if they liked him, like I said, I believe in it. And he's going to be great in this offense. Yeah, the Chargers, I think one of their best attributes with Anthony Lynn has been the development of running backs. So, I mean, Joshua Kelly, I think he's going to develop into a really, really good player. And, you know, I said this on Twitter. I really like Joshua Kelly. I liked him a lot more than Jason did. But I really liked the player. And, you know, in our first mock draft, I took him in the sixth round. That was my my argument. And I'm thrilled with the player. The value was a little bit weird, but... You know, thanks to the Packers taking A.J. Dillon in the second round, you know, all these teams were taking <laughs> running backs much higher than all of us thought that they would. And so, you know, Cam Akers was a second-round pick, which was earlier than I thought. And, 
you know, Zach Moss was a third round pick and like all these guys went flying off the board. So like, it makes sense that if you, again, if you have a guy that you really like, you take him earlier than you, than people think you have to. And you know, you deal with it. And so I am really excited about Joshua Kelly, uh, the player. And I think, you know, he's going to be a really good fit in this offense and a really good compliment to Austin Eckler. Um, I would expect like you do that. Justin Jackson is probably, you know, stock down at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as much as, you know, we really like the player, we just, like you said, we haven't seen him on the field a whole lot and he was a seventh round pick and Joshua Kelly was a fourth round pick. So at the end of the day, if they have to choose between the two, like they're going to take the fourth round pick. So, um, I would expect once the season starts that, uh, Austin Eckler gets about 60% of the share in terms of running back touches. And then the other 40 is divided between the two, probably evenly, I would assume that, each of them gets six to eight carries a game, maybe five, depending on the the game, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really excited about Joshua Kelly, the player. It's just the value was was a bit rich for my taste, especially with guys like Troy Pride and Lucky Fotu and Donovan Peoples Jones, who we really liked. You know, Peoples Jones ended up going the seventh round, but you know, the value was just a little a bit of a head scratcher. But again, I really like the player, and I'm excited for him. Yeah, that was a tough one at first, especially a because we didn't expect yeah. the running back so early, and then b because there was so much so much receiving talent sitting there. And even a guy like David or was David Gaither there? I don't remember. Davis Gaither was the first pick of the fourth round. The Bengals oh, okay. took him in the at the first of the fourth You're right. Round. So there was a lot of talent there and I really figured they would go corner. I thought they'd go interior offensive line, offensive tackle, basically anything but running back. Yeah. But fortunately there were more picks after uh because they kind of made up for it in my opinion at least on the receiving end. Absolutely. Let's get into the next one with Joe Reed. What are your first impressions of Joe Reed? So we sat down and watched him, the three of us, right after the pick, and uh, he is a very shifty, explosive player. So I think the conventional consensus of Chargers fans was that we were expecting the Chargers to take a deep threat burner. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones was the first one that came to my mind there, or Isaiah Coulter. But, you know, Joe Reed can do a lot of different things in a lot of different roles. He's a great kick returner. You know, Virginia lined him up in the running back position and, and did some very creative things with him there. You know, he's a screen guy. He's a short pass and take it for a big game guy. And I'm really excited about him. You know, this offense, like I said earlier, is going to look very different. And Joe Reed gives the Chargers a lot of versatility because you can do so many different things with him. And they tried to do that with Travis Benjamin. They tried to do that with Tyra Williams where you, you know, give the ball to them, you know, on a reverse or on a end around and, it just didn't really work out. This year they tried to do it with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams a few times, and it just it never really was something that they were really good at. But Joe Reed is going to be someone that is explosive. He's going to get the ball in his hands in, in uh, very creative ways, and I expect him to be an exciting player that Chargers fans are going to really like. Um, you know, I think a lot of people were confused by the pick at first, but yes, you know, <laughs> it was kind of like, who is this guy? Yeah. Um, but in terms of what the Chargers are wanting to do on offense, and versatility is number one. And in terms of what they're looking for right now, with him and Austin Eckler, you have two guys who are really fast and explosive guys that you can get the ball into their hands and, and just watch them watch them work. So it'll be exciting to watch for sure. Yeah, you mentioned it to me. It was like a poor man's Antonio Gibson. And Gibson's a guy I really like coming to this draft, and I didn't know anything about Joe Reed, to be honest. Um, like I think most of Chargers fans – I went who, and I went <laughs> who for the next pick as well. But I'm I'm glad we sat down and watched him because I went from who to whoa really really fast because 
I can just tell, like, listen, Jason was sitting there and he, sorry, Jason, I'm ragging on you. Uh, he was a little unimpressed at first and I could understand why, because this guy is not a route runner. This guy is not Keenan Allen and he is not KJ Hill, for example. But the things that I think they're going to have him do, which you can see it on tape, or you can just watch the Chargers last year and how much they failed trying to get Travis Benjamin the ball to do these things. What he's going to be able to do with the football in his hands and a guy who actually likes hitting people, like he will go and make contact. He will lower his shoulder and hit yeah. you. But he's also very elusive too. So he's going to be a fascinating part of the offense to watch. And I think this this BS improvisation offense is going to be so much fun because with Phillip Rivers, you know, you got three seconds and you got to go. With Tyrod Taylor, maybe even Justin Herbert, you got some time. And for these guys, you have Eckler and and Allen, Williams, Henry, and now Reed, these guys that can kind of just BS on the fly and, and make a play happen. I think that's, that's really, really exciting and really, really fun. So uh, of the picks, I think this might have been my second favorite one just because I can kind of tell what they want to do with him. And they've always kind of tried to get that Eddie Royal, Stevie Johnson kind of guy going. Yep. And and so now they've got Joe Reed. Yeah. And another good thing about this is like the Chargers have been one of the worst return teams in the league mm-hmm. for at least my whole life as a fan. So <laughs> uh, now you have Joe Reed, you have Darius Jennings, you know, Desmond King is an explosive returner. I doubt that he does it very much, but you have options. You have really good options in, in the return game. And I think I saw the stat that Joe Reed was like eighth all time in FBS history, or it might be ninth, eighth, eighth or ninth, uh, in terms of kickoff return yards. So he's an explosive athlete and he's a great return man. And taking him in the fifth round, you know, could they have taken another receiver at that point? You know, Isaiah Coulter was on the board, but they clearly had a plan and they clearly wanted to add some versatility and explosiveness. And, you know, you mentioned the Antonio Gibson thing. You know, they're going to be able to do some really creative and fun things. And, you know, you put Tyra Taylor, Justin Herbert in the pistol, and you put Joe Reed and Austin Eckler on each side of him. That's going to create some really interesting mismatch problems for other defenses. And, you know, they're going to be able to use both of them in very similar ways and just get them in space and make plays, which will be really exciting and a lot of fun to watch. I cannot wait to watch this offense this this season. It's it's going to be a lot of fun because we've ne- we have not seen this in such a long no. time. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be totally different than what we're so used to the – Yep. You know, the the typical pocket passer with Phil Rivers. And, you know, there's been a lot of fun moments, but this offense is going to go in a complete 180 from what we're used to as Chargers fans. Mm-hmm. Well, the next pick, listen, I went who again. And <laughs> after I watched the tape, I kind of went, well, why? I think this is unfortunately the least popular pick. I don't think he's a bad player by any means, but Alohi Gilman, uh, Popper pointed out special teams, which – totally makes sense to me you know this guy we, they needed special teams players like they need Absolutely. special teams players and they didn't I mean i don't think joe reed's gonna play special teams i don't think i mean kelly maybe but you know he, this is really the first true special teamer and it kind of makes sense to me what he can do well just attack the football i can totally see him on kickoff return punt return stay in your lane go get the guy with the football and i think you watch the game where it gets vanderbilt there's a receiver or a tight end i think who who gets the ball and he catches it and runs to maybe the one-yard line. Gilman comes out of nowhere, grabs the football, and wrenches it out. And the ball flies up like 20 feet in the air. It lands in the end zone. Unfortunately, another offensive player picks it up for a fumble score. You know, But I think the Chargers value that. A guy who can just go downhill, go get the football, go get the punt returner, and then take the football away. 
you know, cause some turnovers. So I really think I get the pick, not my favorite player, but if he's going to have anyone coaching him, Ron Miles is not a bad way to go. So I think he's got yeah. room for development. He's got a great coach, doesn't have to start, key special teams player, and I'm, you know, I get it. Yeah, Anthony Lane compared him to Adrian Phillips. So, you know, like you said, Ron Miles is going to make sure that he develops into a, a good enough safety where the Chargers can use him. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, you know, what happened to this defense when Derwin James got hurt. And their first instinct was to put Rod Teamer in for some reason. And yeah. then Jalen Watkins. And so I think Jalen Watkins would be much better than Elohi Gilman, but I think Elohi Gilman is much better than Rod Teamer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, worst case scenario with Gilman next year is that he does have to step in due to injury. And it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, I think it was a bit of a reach for sure. But like you said, the special teams value there is something that we can't really quantify because Jeremy Davis is gone. Zubnar is gone. Yep. Adrian Phillips is gone. Derek Watt is gone. So, you know, a lot of there's going to be a lot of young guys on special teams. And Elohi Gilman, is, that's something that he really specialized in at Notre Dame and at Navy. So, you know, I totally understand why they took him. I don't, I didn't love the value there. He probably would have been there in the seventh round, but you know, the seventh round pick was so good that it (laughs) totally makes sense. So, you know, Gilman, I think he's going to have a very defined role and, you know, we're not going to have to worry about him quote unquote developing and rushing him onto the field because he's going to be a special teams ace. And, you know, that's going to be, that's totally fine. You know, six round picks, generally speaking, they don't do a whole lot anyway. You know, it's very rare that you get a six-round pick that it comes in and makes an immediate impact overall as like a starter. So, yeah. getting him as a getting him a special teams ace in the sixth round that's that's totally fine. Yep, totally fine with it. If he goes in, has a good role in special teams as a six-round pick, that's a win. If he gets game duties and he actually plays a little bit, that's a bonus in year one at least because six-round pick. I mean, last year it was Emeke Eggbull, however you say yeah. his name. I think he'll play more than Eggbull. So. You know, hey, not bad. Not bad for a six-round pick. But I think the one that everyone united over, and I, Jason, so Jason was, I think, 30 seconds behind me on the telecast. So when I saw this pick, Jason, poor Jason, has wanted <laughs> a certain player every single round and didn't get him. And I feel really bad for those first five picks. But this last one, and usually I was patient letting Jason figure out who the pick was. But as soon as I knew that it was K.J. Hill, the guy that Jason had been rooting for since like the fifth round or fourth round, and they took him. I just had to tell him. And I listen, at the time, I did not watch any K.J. Hill tape, but after watching him, I'm excited. And he's, he's yeah. the opposite, in my opinion, of Joe Reed. Maybe not opposite, but they're both versatile. But K.J. Hill is your route runner. The first play I turn on runs a good route, but then he... Stops on a dime, turns, and, and jukes a defender out. The defender's going the other way. Such a Keenan Allen move on the outside. You know, and people kind of compare him to Keenan Allen in that way. Not a great 40 time, you know, but he can run routes like crazy. And they trust him. Ohio State trusted him like crazy. Why am I keep saying like crazy? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they really trusted him. In some of the biggest games, they went to him. They went to K.J. Hill, who's the leading receiver in Ohio State history in terms of receptions, I believe, which is saying something. Yeah. Um, so I think he's a really good pick. A guy who was open when I watched him, open way more than his reception count uh, shows. A guy who got a lot of targets in big games and more than his receptions show. 
Um, so I think he's a great part of the offense. I don't know how he was there in the seventh. I've heard it was slightly medical, obviously the 40 time. Uh, but the Chargers are really good at developing receivers. They have a great guy in front of him and just another guy, another good improv nightmare. And now you've got Allen and Williams and you have Hill and Reed and probably Patton and Jennings, I guess, rounding out the rest of it. That's a pretty solid receiving room. A lot of young talent to grow with Justin Herbert. So I think, although I was a little worried after like the Joshua Kelly pick, I see it now. Like I see the plan. And I think that's the most important thing. Now, at the end of the seventh round, I get it. You found your guys. Whether they work out or not, who knows? But I see the plan. And I think they knew that some of these receivers that they liked were falling. And, I mean, obviously, K.J. Hill in the seventh. So I think they just they knew that and got to trust them, I guess, because they know more than we do. Yeah, totally. You know, you mentioned the plan, and that was something that, you know, we were all thinking that they would take a receiver, you know, relatively early, and, you know, they took Joshua Kelly. But, you know, in terms of value, I think this was the – K.J. Hill was the best pick of the draft for this team because, you know, I think – Besides Kenneth Murray, he's going to make the most instant impact of this class. You know, he's going to come in and be the wide receiver three, and I think Joe Reed is going to, you know, fight for some touches. But, yeah, I think K.J. Hill, in terms of ceiling for this next season, can get up to five, 600, maybe 700 yards receiving, and it wouldn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he gets to learn from Keenan Allen, like, as a route-running specialist, that that pairing is going to be absolutely beautiful. Yep, And just the fact that he gets to come in and fit with this offense. And you can do so many different things with this receiver group. Like you're mentioning, you know, Andre Patton is a really great blocker. And if he develops as a route runner at all, like that's a plus. And then you have the speed of Darius Jennings that can come in and do some different things. Maybe Joe Reed in terms of running the ball is going to be really fun to watch. And then you have two great route runners and you have a really nice deep threat in Mike Williams. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, we all joked several times about how they didn't replace Tyra Williams and relying on Travis Benjamin was never a great plan, but that's unfortunately what had to happen last year. And, you know, it's, it's totally different than what last year was going to be. So, you know, you give Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert a really good receiver room to pair with Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson and then Hunter Henry and the world's tallest tight end and Donald Parham. <laughs> so this offense is really coming together and, KJ Hill, I'm really excited about that pick. It's going to be a lot of fun to see how he develops with Keenan Allen as a mentor. And, you know, he mentioned in his um, press conference that he watched Keenan Allen's tape several times in college and and would use his uh, game tape to learn from. So, you know, that's a great pairing. And and like I said, you can do different things with KJ Hill and Keenan Allen, move them around in the slot, put them out wide. You can put Mike Williams in the slot and create a lot of mismatches. And that's ultimately the name of the game in the NFL in 2020. So, Yep. There's a lot of different ways that this offense can go about creating mismatches, and KJ Hill is just going to add to that. All right, let's talk about the draft as a whole now, now that we can see the entire picture. For me, I'm giving it like a, a B-ish kind of grade, but though I do like the uh-huh. players more than the grade suggests, I get it. And I think this is might be the first draft where I can really go, I get every pick. Regardless yeah. of whether I think of the player, the position makes sense. Do they need a quarterback? Yes. Did they need a linebacker? Yep. Do they need a running back? Yep. Speedy receiver, yep. Route running receiver for depth. Or he's probably going to start, though, as a third receiver. Yep. Special teams guy, yep. I totally get it. This draft completely makes sense to me, at least in terms of what I think the Chargers will do with them. And so, I mean, I'm happy. They got their guys. That was the goal of the draft. They got their guys to fill positions of need. Did they have 37 picks? No. 
Um, am I a little concerned that they didn't address offensive tackle or guard? Yeah, a little bit. Am yeah. I worried that Michael Davis and Brandon Faison are the corners to keep up with Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and McCole Hardman? I mean, it's it's kind of <laughs> I'm a little scared there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I am interested to see where this team goes moving forward with some of the players and how they move them around, particularly like Nasir Adderley. But that's another topic for another episode. So what do you think of the draft overall? Yeah, you know, you mentioned Michael Davis and Brandon Faison, and that's really the the main weakness of the defense right now. And, you know, maybe Chris Harris plays outside. You know, we're not really sure. But if Chris Harris can play outside like 10, 15 snaps a game, I think that definitely helps. Um, but Ron Miles is one of the greatest coaches – greatest yep. position coaches in the league. So if anyone can turn Michael Davis into a player I don't worry about anymore, it's that's that guy. Um, the biggest concern for me, like you mentioned, is the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've mentioned several times about the injuries of Forrest Lamp and the injuries surrounding Mike Pouncey and the uncertainty of how Trey Pipkins is developing. Like, the right side is going to be so good with Trey Turner and Brian Villaga, yep. but the depth is very worrisome at this point. You know, I love Scott Questenberry. Apparently the team doesn't really know he exists, which is really <laughs> annoying. Um, Dan Feeney is very solid, and I think if you put him in the right situation, he can succeed. You know, I think he was much better with Mike Pouncey at center than he was with Scott, Scott Questenberry at center, which is a little interesting. Mm-hmm. But if they don't sign a guy like Jason Peters, I'm really worried about the development of Trey Pipkins or Forrest Lamp or whoever is playing left tackle. God forbid it's Sam Tebby. That would be a disaster. Um, so it's hard for me to give this draft an A because of yeah. that fact and because they did get the players that they wanted. They get the, they did get good value in most of the rounds, but it's hard for me to be all in A plus, A, A minus on this draft because they didn't address offensive line. And, you know, maybe one of the undrafted free agents that they signed as a corner comes in and, and can develop, but those are the two weak spots, and those were the two weak spots going into the draft. So, yep. you know, I'm with you. I'm giving this like a B minus or B because, you know, they address a lot of needs, but they didn't address the two biggest needs, in my opinion. Yeah, it's really interesting. I just didn't – I didn't think they – look, there's five offensive line positions. I didn't think they would take zero. Like, you could yeah. somebody. You know, there's good odds you're going to take an offensive lineman. And I believe this is the first draft they didn't take a defensive lineman. Yeah. So I'm on defensive line. I get like, I get why they didn't take one, but offensive line, that's just really like, I get who they think their depth is. I get that. They think that Trent Scott is their backup left guard. I get that. They think Sam Tevy is their backup tackle, but come on. Like you really, like that's, yeah. it's, it was, it was confusing because I will say about the defensive line thing. I think Braden Fajoko from LSU, you know, he's my odds on favorite to make this roster because that's mm. like one of the, biggest positions of need yeah and so if he makes this roster i wouldn't be surprised but we'll get into undrafted free agents more next week but this offensive line is like it will be better especially if mike pouncey is healthy because of trey turner and brian balaga like that's an immediate upgrade over what they had and massively so like you mentioned earlier trey turner to michael Schofield is a big leap and mm-hmm. obviously trent scott sam tevy to brian balaga is a huge leap forward yep but I'm concerned about the left tackle spot more than anything. You know, with Tyrod Taylor, you don't need a great offensive line. And like I said, it is going to be better than last year, but I'm concerned about it. And ideally, you know, with Justin Herbert coming in next year, you want to be able to beef up the offensive line. And maybe they will do that next year. I don't know. 
But it, it, the left tackle spot is concerning. I'm not as concerned at left guard because Dan Feeney has been a starter. He's been mm-hmm. reliable. He hasn't missed any games, knock on wood. Um, and you have Scott Questenberry that could do it and Forrest Lamp that did it pretty well when he came in last year. But, you know, I'm concerned about the plan at left tackle, and, and especially in a shortened offseason when we have no idea what Trey Pipkins is doing right now. We have no idea if he's developing, how he's being coached, if he's being coached. And so the left tackle is definitely concerning. Now, if they sign Jason Peters, like, all my concerns are gone. Yep. Like, that is the one thing that could take this team from, yeah, they'll probably contend for the playoff spot, and maybe they can do some good things. But if they sign Jason Peters, you know, my excitement is going to be through the roof because that is the biggest weakness on the team, in my opinion. Yeah, they take a guy like Jason Peters, who they have money for, and again, rookie contract. That's what you do when you have a rookie quarterback contract. I'm all for it. And I never really bought into the idea that they would go for Trent Williams this year, maybe last year, because they were a little bit more all in on, on Phillip Rivers. Well, I thought they would be. Yeah, if they had Rivers, then absolutely go get Trent Williams. That would be definitely one thing I would have loved, but yeah, the value just never was really there. Yeah, and they think they... What, who did who who has him now? I don't even remember. The, the 49ers traded for him. They traded a fifth round pick this year and a third round pick next year for him, which makes sense because then Joe State retired. So, you know, it makes oh, sense yeah. for them. I think the extension is going to be really interesting because apparently the 49ers aren't going to extend him until the offseason. Oh. That was reported by Ian Rappaport, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Chargers, while they do have flexibility with. Uh, Justin Herbert's contract, obviously, and Tyrod Taylor's. I wouldn't have loved that deal because then it's just another player that you have to immediately wonder how their contract is going to pan out. And, you know, the Chargers have enough of <laughs> enough of those already for next year. I think the Chargers know, I mean, deep down in their hearts, this offensive line is already better than last year's offensive line, and they had Phillip Rivers. The fact that they have a better offensive line and a more mobile quarterback, I think they think they're okay getting away with a developmental left tackle it's kind of scary but at the end of the day James Campen is the man and they're very open to him and I have to imagine because they did meet with a number of day three interior offensive linemen I do think that Campen said listen I can make that work yeah and even with a short offseason I've seen what you can do I can make it work he probably said I can't make right tackle work and that's why they got Belaga and that makes sense anyway because they're pairing them back together but Mm-hmm. I think he knows they can they, he can make this work, and the idea that they're going lamp to left tackle, Scott to guard, Tevi maybe to guard or left tackle. I mean, Cameron really has some sort of plan here. So I have to kind of. It's very hard to imagine a good offensive line for the Chargers, but I have to imagine that this coach has a plan. And it's at least a very different and unique plan, and they have a mobile quarterback. So I think it's still surprising they didn't address it, but I I do get it. Corner is still worrisome to me. Um, but we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, it makes sense that Campin would want to get his hands on the players before ultimately making you know a plan for the future, and so that that totally makes sense. Like you're talking about, and you know Campin, I think is going to be one of the more valuable offseason acquisitions because he's just he's got such a good reputation of, of turning guys into you know all pro pro bowl caliber players, and so you know Trey Pipkins, I. Th- believe in his ceiling you know he showed enough signs and glimpses where i think he will be able to develop it's just right away it's going to be you know tough for me to have full confidence in him but then again you know it's the chargers and the offensive line has never really been something that i've always been confident in you know i think when they had nick hardwick and marcus mcneil and chris dealman that offensive line was very good but it's been a while since they haven't had 
an offensive line that has a clear weak link on the offensive line. So, you know, left tackle, if you only have one clear weak link, which is the left tackle, you know, you can do a lot of things with a type with a mobile quarterback like Tyrod or Justin Herbert to make it work. And, you know, you can always bootleg right and you can always get the quarterback on the move and, and do some different things to make life easier for Trey Pipkins. So, and you always have Virgil Green, who's a great blocking tight end, who you can do different things, uh, chipping the defensive ends and helping him out. And Austin Eckler's really good in blitz pickup. So, you know, I am worried about it, but if I trust anyone to turn Trey Pipkins into an all-pro player, it's Brian Campen. So it'll be really interesting to see how he develops. And, you know, if we, get, if we do get the chance to go down to training camp, that's definitely something that I will be able to, you know, focus on is how the team is, is developing Trey Pipkins. So I think that's probably going to be the – the number one topic in the fall camp and, and during the season. Well, and that Herbert guy too. Well, yeah, obviously that. <laughs> and Kenneth Murray. It, it's just an exciting time. and It is. You know, a lot of it is because I've been so, you know, into this draft and into this process, you know, doing the podcast and writing for Bolt Beat and stuff like that. Um, but I'm really excited for this team and where the future is headed. And, you know, hopefully the new stadium is done by the time the season starts and, you know, hopefully things with this pandemic calm down and we can actually be able to go to the games this year. And you know, I'm just excited for this football team. And they've done a lot of good things this offseason. And, you know, I have a lot of confidence in this team going forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for the season. I am every year. But this team, though 5-11 and last year, I don't believe was wholeheartedly into that season and wholeheartedly behind some of the players that they had. Yeah. I think this time they're a little bit more all-in. They've plugged at least... 10 holes on their roster where well, that doesn't mean they're starting holes on the roster, but they've plugged the depth guys, the, you know, the starters from everything from Alohi Gilman to Justin Herbert, they're all necessary. They did enough in free agency. So it's, it's certainly a very, very different off season. I don't think I've ever seen this kind of off season under Telesco. And so I think we're all in for a treat, I guess something different. It'll be really curious to see how this plays out in the future, because you know, I think Philip Rivers' contract has been something that's kind of handicapped how aggressive Tom Telesco can be or mm-hmm. could have been. And so now that he has a rookie contract, it's going to be really interesting to see if he goes from quote-unquote coupon Tom to to gangsta Tom, which was all over Twitter, <laughs> which is so funny. Oh, my gosh. But it's going to be really interesting to see how the rookie contract really impacts what Tom Telesco is able to do as the GM. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, you mentioned, you know, Coupon Tom versus Gangster Tom, but <laughs> the fact that he could still be Coupon Tom, but also now be aggressive and go get those guys yeah. that he really, really, really wants on top of nailing day three picks. I don't know, man. That's It's pretty exciting. But it all comes down to the quarterback position. It all comes down to Tyron Taylor. It all comes down to Justin Herbert. So, you know, we'll only look back on this draft at one player. Unless you're telling me KJ Hill will become the next Keenan Allen and he'll become a Pro Bowl player, and maybe, who knows, this draft will basically come down to Justin Herbert. Even if Kenneth Murray is really good, it'll all come down to that sixth pick and, and I guess, Tua, the fifth pick. So uh, I guess we'll see. But I'm excited. You're excited. Jason, I know you're excited wherever you are. Sleep well, young, whatever you are. <laughs> he's been working really hard getting all our undrafted free agent stuff together, and he's been working his tail off. He's compiled a lot for us that you don't see. A lot of the work Jason did last night, you will never really see. We'll discuss um, on Wednesday for our episode dropping Friday. So anyway, with that, I'm happy. You're happy. That's great. Chargers did pretty well. 
So Stephen, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, personal Twitter account is Stephen I Hagland and podcast account is GAC Podcast 17. Please make sure you go and review us on wherever, whichever platform you are listening to. Uh, you know, our Apple podcast has been really, uh, really great source of information and reviews and feedback from people. But um, please give us a review if you are new to the show. That really helps us out for sure. And uh, we really appreciate you guys and all the support that you have given us over the last few months. Yeah, the support has been amazing. All the comments, all the, I mean, even just the follows, the likes, the retweets, the reviews, you know, the reviews, I don't think this is what drove us to do this, but, you know, early on, we got a two-star review and says, you know, these guys maybe need to develop a better evaluation system for these guys and, you know, have some sort of objective grades instead of just, oh, I like this guy, oh, I like this guy. And after that, and I'm not saying it was because of this, but Jason and Steven went out and, made, and graded 250 players or more, you know, so we will take that feedback and we'll do something with it. So... I mean, please don't just leave negative comments just to have us change things. <laughs> like, that's not going to work. We like to, we want to know what's going well, too. Um, but we do appreciate all the feedback. I do appreciate everyone following on Facebook, on Instagram, and particularly on Twitter. It's been a lot of fun. And I'm proud of you and, and Jason for putting this all together and spending so much time on this. And I think, honestly, that fans responded really well to it. And so I appreciate you guys working so hard this off season. I appreciate the fans who have continued to show us that what we're doing is working and something that you guys are interested in. Um, and, and moving forward, we're going to have more things, you know, we're this, the three of us aren't exactly content with doing the same thing over and over yeah. again. And if we do, we'll make it the best we can, you know, but we're going to try to have different things this summer. We're going to try to regrade some guys from 2019. We're going to break down the picks from this draft. We're going to look ahead. You know, we're going to have so much for you guys and I know the draft is over, and it's a couple months in between now and the season starting, or at least the preseason. But I really hope you guys stick around because we're just getting started. I mean, this is month three. We're not even finished with 90 days of being a podcast. And so I'm excited for where this is headed. I know these two guys are excited, and I couldn't be happier for what's to come. So this is Tyler. You can find me at Tyler J. Shun on Twitter, at GAC Podcast 17 on Instagram. Just search up the Google Google. The Guilty as Charged <laughs> podcast on Facebook. Get us some follows and likes on there. And uh, we're excited. So congratulations, Chargers. Congratulations to all that were drafted, except for Tyler Huntley. Oh, and <laughs> sorry, Stephen. That's okay. Um, hey, listen, we all did better than the Packers. So we can all oh, rejoice. Yeah. <laughs> we can all rejoice with that one. See you guys on Friday.